the Movie Hour, episode 173, March 1st, 2012. Just a quick warning, the episode ahead does contain both spoilers and swearing. Good evening, one and all, and welcome to the Jack Pellant's number one movie hour. I am Greg Maloney, your host for this evening, and joining me for tonight's episode are my co-hosts, Brother James, and everyone's number one guy, Jeff. Welcome back, everyone. It's good to be here again. Missed you guys last week. I always miss you. Even even when he's here? like now. Even when he's here. Knowing that he's so far away. (laughs) But you can can talk to him, at least. You can express your feelings. What do you want to say to Jeff? I miss you. Oh, okay. I miss your stench. (laughs) Your musk. <laughs> I like the second way you said it better. Just future <laughs> reference <Stench> or musk. <laughs> if I get to choose, I don't we know. do. We do have a lot to talk. That was a movie quote. I, I had to do them both. <laughs> we do have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, Oscars and all that jazz. But I have to start off with getting more things off my chest. We should probably just make it a normal feature of the the episode because I usually start this way. But this is important. And you guys might be able to relate a little bit, but I uh, caught a movie recently. I caught Wanderlust, which I'll, I'll review later in the show. But I, uh, at the theater, you know, I, I'm usually at the theater. That's what I do. It's my thing. It's a uh, part of my lifestyle. So I'm there. I got there a little earlier than I'd hoped. To the, I go to the theater quite a bit, and I'm fully prepared to watch the 30 minutes of commercials and you know theatrical trailers, whatever's going to happen. And there aren't that many people there sitting. All these things start. And the worst part of these trailers and the commercials is there's always the commercial for that theater that you're in. It's like the worst thing ever. Like, I you know you guys can... <laughs> You can rent us for birthday parties. It's... Yeah. So they, this theater made, makes their own, made their own jingle for the, their setup. So there's like a montage of movies and they play this awful jingle about the theater and while this is going on and I'm trying to ignore it as much as possible, I hear clapping and it's like clapping to a beat. And then I realize that there is a couple that is clapping to this specific, <laughs> like as they're in, I had I'd heard this couple talking before they were like over 50 and all their, all their bat, you know, sandwiches were in the picnic basket for that situation. Like these are adult people that are clapping together to this thing. And so wait, what are they clapping to? They're clapping to the jingle of the commercial of the commercial that's gotcha. you know going on. And what's funny is uh, this is not a chain. This is like a one-off theater. Or no, like it's a, a chain. There, there's a couple of them. And it's uh, what's funny about it is I ran into the same couple before, and I thought it was just a single incident. This isn't going to ever happen again, and it happened again. And I'm just wondering to myself, how do we expect to have a society if we live in a world where people clap to the jingles that happened before? So is it like they're enjoying it, or they're making so, fun of it? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Daily- can, we back up? can we back up one yeah. second? You said you've run into this couple again. You mean that this exact same yes, situation? Yes, with this- yes. First of all... That's fucked up. <laughs> you've, been, you've been in a movie theater with the same people, strangers, twice. Like that, they either go to way too many movies, or you're the unluckiest guy in the world. Right, right. This is it. Was definitely this is their thing. This is what they do. They go to the movies together, which you know, I'm I'm guessing they're a couple or close family or something. And that's I am completely on board for showing whatever affection, living in your own world, whatever you want to do. But 
Don't clap don't, to the jungle. Don't, don't get into the movie theater. Like, do it in your car and your home and wherever you want. I like that. It's the equivalent of a public display of affection. It really is. It's just like they just, might as well be masturbating. <laughs> clap in the privacy of your own home. Jesus Christ! I mean, we all do it, but come on. <laughs> it killed me, man. I. I did want to like look around to see if anyone else is just has some kind of thing to say about what's happening. I'm just picturing Greg turning around and yelling, "Get a room!" <laughs> you disgust me. <laughs> shame, shame. I know your name. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of sad, and it was yeah. It I don't know. It was interesting, but it kind of spoiled the the first thirty minutes of the movie. I just couldn't get over it, but. I don't know. It, I'm letting it slide. It's over. Hopefully, I never see those people again. And if I do, I'm gonna have to like do a documentary about them or something. Just clap at them. <laughs> put, put the mirror up in front of them. Make them realize. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, so, getting to something more, you know, a little more global, a little more international. Let's talk about the Oscars, which is another <laughs> form of jubilee that everybody loves. And I were they there? <laughs> were they? They clapping? Are they clapping? <laughs> Uh, but our resident Oscar expert, expert James, is uh, is here, and he he watched it. Unlike Je- Jeff and I, we don't really care all I that. Watched much. it that one year with Hugh Jackman at a bar, and I'll never even watch it at a bar ever again. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, James, what was the uh, what was your take on the Oscars? We know the we had heard the winners and everything, but what was your personal take on it? Um, actually, it was a little bit better than the last few years. Um, Billy Crystal kind of put it back on its normal track of Billy Crystal. The- yeah, basically. Um, the show is actually one of the shorter ones of recent years, too. So he had the, the timing going and stuff like that, so it was nice. Um, he had his normal opening montage where he kind of you know puts himself into you know some of the movies and that sort of thing. Um, that was you know somewhat entertaining. A um, couple things that were kind of neat. Um, one was they had a lot of uh, video testimonials from actors and directors and stuff just kind of talking about movies and stuff like that just like why they like them and you know their you know favorite movie moments that sort of thing right it was of all the nominees right that's what you said what's that was it, it was just nominees right or was it other no people? it was just random people okay. it was you know it could have been anybody um but uh like adam sandler had a few so <laughs> so definitely not a nominee in any way gotcha but uh one of um, the Aziz, if, I, if i understand yeah right. maybe that could be um but uh and they did a lot of that too for some of the more technical and you know the awards that no one really cares about you know they had like makeup they'd bring in like one of the people i think it was uh jason isaacs you know he was in uh harry potter so he's talking about the harry potter makeup guy and you know kind of giving him props in the video testimonial so they did a lot of that to kind of spruce up some of the categories and give it some some interest some love i guess like what do you say about the makeup guy like oh i'm not saying not specifically about the guy but more about his work and like oh you know without him you know (laughs) Right. Yeah, everyone looks trying, normal. For two trying. hours, I have to listen to his inane bullshit while he puts stuff on my face. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a complete art form. I, under, I understand that, but I was just wondering, like, oh, he's really nice. He is cool. No, no, it's more about what they did for the movie, basically. Right. Gotcha. But uh, um, they did something different this year. They didn't start with the supporting actor and actress categories. It was with uh, sorry, which is kind of interesting, just because usually they throw that in the beginning just to kind of. You know, suck you people in right off the bat. But yeah, they threw it right in the middle of the uh, broadcast, so it was kind of interesting. Um, the competitions, you know, boring as everyone expected. No one, like, this wasn't a real exciting group of nominees. Right. No one really cared. Uh, there was one 
decent, you know, kind of memorable uh, acceptance speech, and that was uh, Best Supporting Actress uh, Octavia Spencer won for The Help, and she pretty much just had an emotional moment and kind of like <laughs> half broke down, half thanked people type of thing. So that was kind of cool that uh, it meant so much to her. I heard Chris uh, Plummer's was pretty good. This was pretty good, but he's, he was just, yeah, I mean, he was suave about it, you know, he was very, you know, very cool about it, so it was kind of not the same thing, but uh, yeah, he was definitely, definitely cool to see him win after so many years. Yeah. And... But uh, probably the highlight of the moment and the funniest was uh, they had the cast of the Bridesmaid do some presentations, <laughs> and it was some of the, you know, like the documentary, you know, short subject, long subject, and like one other one. And they had the six of them, and they kind of split them up into pairs and did different, uh, you know, why? Uh, do you have categories. any why they picked the bridesmaid cast? Um, people I don't know. love them, like yeah, other than like okay. the bridesmaids. They're famous people, I guess. But right. uh, <clears throat> uh, like, and it was kind of funny because they actually had some good humor. Um, the one of the pairings was Rose Byrne and Melissa McCarthy. They got up there, and I don't remember what category they're doing, but someone from the stands, like just as they're you know getting up there, yells Martin Scorsese. So they immediately pull little things of alcohol out of their dresses and do a shot like it was a drinking game. It was kind of funny. Nice. So that was kind of entertaining. <laughs> and uh, but uh, probably the funniest one was uh, Kristen Wiig and uh, Maya Rudolph did the documentary short subject. And they were talking, you know, how they do that banter to begin with. And they're talking about the benefits, of, you know, between long and short. And they're definitely talking about, you know, guys' genitalia. Yeah, exactly. Penis. Like, yeah, you know, I really like a short one as long as it's got some heft to it. And they're, like, going on and on. And then one of them, like, kind of breaks the, the uh, you know, the, the mirage of it all. And the other one, like, sticks to her guns and says, no, no, I'm still talking about this. And it was just kind of funny. They did, they did a good job with it. But, uh, yeah, that was probably the, the highlight entertainment-wise. The highlight was a dick joke. Exactly. That's that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I don't watch this. <laughs> you don't like dick jokes? Come on. Everyone likes a good I mean, dick joke. I'm just saying, if the highlight's a dick joke. That, that... So did uh, did Crystal do any of – did he have any – did he have the energy of the Billy Crystal of old or no? Like that's the, yeah, he was pretty good. I mean, he was a host and that's right. I mean, that's all I'm really asking for. He did his little number in the beginning, which wasn't too bad. Nothing, you know, to call home about or anything, but it was just, you know, mildly entertaining. And, uh, he did one bit that he used to do in the past that kind of fell on its face a little bit, uh, kind of a, kind of an uncomfortable moment. Cause he's doing the whole, okay. Like, camera pans to the different people in the audience and he's saying what they're thinking. And he gets to Nick Nolte, and he just starts making grunting noises. It's <laughs> just really weird and awkward. And like you could tell he sensed it, and like kind of just said at the end of the whole thing, like comes back to it's like thanks, Nick, and just like it was weird. It was kind of funny. But it was weird. Uh, I like that. Joke. It's way better than a dick joke. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, but yeah, I actually enjoyed it a little bit better than the last couple times as far as the show part of it. But yeah, the categories were meaningless to me. Well, the the world agrees with you, James. It ended up doing four uh, percent better from uh, viewership from last year, anyways. So, something to think about. Maybe the Oscar, the Oscars, Oscars ratings are coming back. Yeah, <laughs> I like. Oscars. Can we start the Oscars? <laughs> yeah, I start the Oscars. I sort of want to. Can we have Scooby Doo host? Oscars. <laughs> yeah, we need to figure that for next episode. We're figuring out what the Raskers are for. 
Oh my god, that's a great idea. But okay, yeah, there was definitely no Jack Palance moments where he did one-handed push-ups and told Billy Crystal that he could crap bigger than him. That would have been pretty sweet. And that was 1994-ish, I'm guessing. We haven't gone through all the the winners of every category and everything. Everyone has that information, but it should be pointed out that, as expected. The yeah, there are no surprises. No, yeah, no surprise. The only thing like we were talking about before when we got on was uh, the, who was going to win? Christopher Plummer, Max von Sydow, Kenneth Branagh, even a possibility, but it was between them and Plummer. Polo yeah, that. even that wasn't a big surprise because Plummer won all the previous awards, basically. Like, right, in right. The, the bracket. <laughs> but I think the one that people wasn't sure about was Meryl Streep versus Viola Davis from The Help. I think that um, I think they should have like percentages. Not that, that it would really even mean anything, but like they would make it more interesting. Part. Yeah, like if there was a second and third, like you'd be like, oh, inched it out by a hair. Like, wow, what a great race that was. It, then, I was gonna say, should it show what the first person got? Because what if it was like, oh, the first person, congratulations, you got sixteen percent of the vote. Right. Everybody else got split up. Like, right. Yeah. No, I think that. I mean, that'd be awesome. I think. I think. Marissa, I would like it a lot congratulations, more. you got eleven percent of the vote, but everyone else got ten, so you won. Right. Exactly. That's great. No issues there. It would be kind of cool. It'd be interesting. Uh, there's another. I got another rant I want to talk about before we move on to the movie reviews, and this will be probably a generally short episode, but I, I have enough time for a rant. And I wanted to go see uh, Spirit of Vengeance, which oddly enough, it's really hard to find like a warm body to come see Ghost Rider Two: Spirit of Vengeance. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. It's gonna be a great movie. Jeff, you should fly out. We can go watch it together. You know who I bet you is gonna go see that and would love to go see it with you? <laughs> who? The Clappers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask them. I don't know. I'm trying to remember what the what was funny is as soon as I got there, I was trying to remember what movie I ran into those guys. Like is it like is it a genre they're after or what? <laughs> they must own the theater. That's the only thing I can figure that they were at two movies that you were at and they clapped to the clapped jingle. To the jingle of the movie theater commercial. Like it was oh my god, it was bizarre, man. It was bizarre. Anyhow, uh, I'm kind of surprised you haven't gotten to see the Secret World of Arietti yet. That's wow, the, James, the thank Studio you. Ghibli one. Thank you for the segue. Um, so. Oh. <laughs> i'm oh, glad i could help uh, so oh, you're welcome the situation was i was like okay i'm i can't see spirit of vengeance because i was i was gonna get drunk and see that with somebody and i will i'd be damned if i go see it by myself so uh, that's still on the docket until somebody signs up with me uh so then it came into time slot and it was wanderlust or cut it close and watch secret world of Arietti and uh get here probably just in time for the podcast so i went and saw wanderlust but the studio ghibli, uh, ghibli film that Jim was talking about Secret World of Arietti, which was released, I think, like almost a year and a half ago in Japan, but finally hit theaters like a week and a half ago. I had it on the rundown to discuss a little bit before uh, two podcasts ago, but never got to it. And it's just um, it's a movie about the borrowers. Everyone knows everyone. I forget the author of the book, but it's a uh, it's a classic tale. But what's interesting about this movie specifically is um it was discussed before that Hayao Miyazaki, uh, one of the famous directors and uh, I don't know if you'd call it, illustrator for the, the studio, um, had stated that based on how well this does in the U.S., Studio Ghibli might be closing its like production doors, so to speak, and then just be like running copyrights and stuff like that and just be pro- – wow. uh, and. So what I'm trying to say is everybody should go see this movie as many times as possible with as many kids as possible. It's, you know, obviously a children's movie. You should see it. But we've talked about his movies before. He didn't direct this one, but um, the Studio Ghibli in general does a lot of the same animation. It looks really nice. 
And it's sort of like, I don't, I never argue for doing something for tradition's sake. Like, I still think these movies look really good. Uh, the 2D cell animation kind of view. And I, uh, yeah, if you support these movies, you should go out and you should go out and see them. And uh, I'm definitely, I'm going to catch the movie for sure. And uh, maybe I'll catch it as a back-to-back with uh, Spirit of Vengeance, uh, Ghost Rider 2, but it'll be a yeah. great movie to catch. It's made 15 million already, which isn't bad. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, I think US-wise, made just over 40. That was probably the biggest one, I think, here. Oh, no, Ponyo was. Ponyo was, and I think that was the 40. But uh, the other thing to mention, I think it's already made, uh, the Secret World of Ariadne has made $120 million globally. So it's not like they're not doing poorly. It's just they're gauging it on U.S. interest. And it's um, an interesting situation, an interesting situation they're, they're having over there. So go see that movie. Shameless plug for uh, Studio Ghibli, Secret World of Ariadne. And it's only been out for two weeks, so it'll be around for a while. But that's all I want to say about that. We can do movie reviews now. And uh, James, sounds like you had a movie review you want to discuss. Uh, yeah, uh, I did end up seeing two movies this week. Um, one was... Uh, what's that? From the list? Uh, one of them was from the list, yes. Closer. Yes, the the other one I saw was uh, Where the Wild Things Are, which was good. I enjoyed that one. But uh, the one for the list that I saw was the 1972 film Sleuth. Wow, and you saw it? Yes. VHS? On VHS? On VHS, yeah. Yay! I can let that eBay seller know that his movie worked. Yes, it, it did work. Uh, we had to remember how to, you know, do a... a uh, did you have to rewind it? Did it come? Yeah, or... we had to rewind it a little. Well, it's because we couldn't get it started at first, like, video-wise, so it was playing for a little bit. So, uh then we rewound it after we you know, remembered how to do everything. It was great. <laughs> we were getting prompted about about tracking and stuff. It was great. It was awesome. But uh, yeah, the movie, uh, very grainy to begin with. Um, <laughs> started to give me a headache, but finally my eyes got used to it. And I kind of focused it on the film and was able to, to watch it. And uh, the film is about an older guy. He's a uh, kind of a very peculiar guy. Um He's a mystery writer. Um, is very obsessed with like the perfect crimes and solving crimes and stuff like that. He's got a, uh, a pretty big mansion and big piece of property, servants and that sort of thing. And he collects these weird like uh, animatronic stuff and you know wind up toys that move around that sort of stuff. So he's kind of eclectic. Anyway, uh, he invites a younger gentleman over, and he invites him over because he knows the uh, the younger gentleman is pursuing his wife basically trying huh. to steal his wife out from underneath him. <laughs> okay. Um, and so that comes out kind of early and they start talking about it and he's very cordial about it. Like, you know, God bless you, take her, blah, blah. I hope you have the money to support her and that sort of thing. But then it starts to turn a little strange and it's very scheming and it turns into him trying to basically uh, embarrass the guy that, you know, he invited over and gets a little bit more mean and the th- things develop and there's a few twists and turns and stuff, you know, kind of expected from a movie called sleuth, but uh, I actually don't want to tell you too much about it because it's actually a pretty good movie. Spoiler alert. Nice. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted you to tell me it was a piece of shit. So I didn't have to get my VCR out of storage. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Um, it is a two-man show, and it has a very strong feel for like a play because there's, I think there was just the one set. It's just the man's home, and that's it. Um, and just the two guys, and it's a, 
Lawrence Olivier is the older gentleman, and Michael Caine is the younger gentleman. Jesus, Michael just... Caine was the younger gentleman? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1972, 1972, so, you know, this dates back a while. And, uh, yeah, so, but it was good. It was it was pretty good. It wasn't amazing, but it was, it was a solid film. I enjoyed it. It was it was one that I wasn't, you know, disappointed was on our list. But, so, uh, yeah, if you have the means, uh, you could check it out. <laughs> there is a remake, if you want to just try out the remake. It's Michael Caine again. As the and, other guy, yeah. And Jude Law, so I assume Michael Caine plays the older gentleman this time. Yeah. So he reverses roles. So, bef- before moving on to the technical aspects of this, um, who do you think, who uh, who bested who? Lawrence Olivier or Michael Caine? Who was the best actor back then? You know, I actually enjoyed Michael Caine a little bit better. Yeah. The truth. And it was weird thinking that that was Lawrence Olivier, the guy everyone you know, rants and raves about and stuff. I mean, he was good for sure, but it, I don't know. Right. I guess it was weird seeing him in a modern thing because I keep thinking of him, you know, in Hamlet and stuff like that. So it was just a little different. So What's great about like, it is afterwards they both get nominated for best actor in a leading role. Like, did they? That, yeah, they, yeah, it was for sure. I mean, it's a two-man show. It's just those two the entire time, and it's pretty long. It's like a two-hour, twenty-minute film or something like yeah. that. So they were on screen for hours. Awesome. You know, also, nominated the, the movie was also nominated for best uh, original music. I think was was the soundtrack anything special that you noticed or no? <sighs> The soundtrack, like as far as effects, yes, there was a lot of that. Um, they actually used some, well, I'm not going to say you know modern music, but popular music because like they like use show tunes and stuff a lot because that's what the one guy liked to listen to. Hmm. I don't remember a whole lot of just composed music in it though. But gotcha. Yeah, an original dramatic score, I think it said. Yeah, I mean the film actually ended the way I kind of expected it to film or the film to end, but it took a different path there, so it was still. You know, pretty cool for me, even though I kind of figured out what was going to happen. But and not to harp on on technology, but isn't it just amazing going back from a DVD to VHS the difference in quality? Like, yeah, I mean, it hurt my eyes. Like, I'm like, we're trying to like look at this. Well, a big part of that is that you're not used to watching VCR tapes on a giant ass screen. Oh, you connected it. I thought you watched it upstairs or something on Dave's like uh, his other TV. No, we watched it. Connected to the big screen. Yeah, that's a different story too. But still, though, it's uh, like we talked about it before because we were talking. We talked about 3D a while back, and we we harp on it a lot. But uh, the situation where like the crazy jump from VHS to DVD and DVD to Blu-ray, like how much of the picture quality changes and how you can just, when you go back, it just almost hurts to watch something, but you don't get that same feeling when you go from like a normal 2d Blu-ray to a 3d Blu-ray. And then we were talking about how it just doesn't seem to make that gigantic leap. Like these did these other four changes did. And yeah, it's more of a different variant of the same technology basically instead of a new technology. Yeah. But yeah, it was weird loading that thing up and getting used to it. And like, okay, I don't know if I can look at the screen for two and a half hours, but, so uh, a quick couple comments about where the wild things are. What'd you like about it? Just the story or do you think, uh, I liked the mood of it. It was, right. it was creative, but yet it was still pretty dark and brooding. It was, it was cool. I, mean, I just enjoyed that part about it. Soundtrack kick fucking. Yes. Yeah. Um, the song <laughs> from the, from the trailer is not in the movie. Is it? I no, no, it's before. not at all. It. It, it's all Karen O and the kids. Karen the song from the trailers, uh, arcade fire. Right. <clears throat> Yep. So, but yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Very cool. And speaking of uh, random trailer soundtracks, for the Secret World of Arietti, uh I don't know, I forget how to pronounce his name, but Jonesy of uh, Sigur Rose does that song for that trailer. And uh, You know, it's weird, and I don't I don't have enough information to make this story like 
mentionable, but I'm going to mention it anyway. There's a local newscast that I swear uses a song that one of you guys like that I don't know the title of because I'm old. What? But they, they use it, and I'm like, I swear <laughs> this is like a, kind of a hip song that's like, I don't know. A local newscast yeah. uses it as well, like their intro or outro? Yeah, it's like their intro or outro. It's like Local 7 News or something. And it's just like... I, I hope it's something off the Sigur Rós untitled album. That would, that would like, just... Yeah, I swear it was something like that, but I don't know for sure. But oh. anyway... Total the, like I can see that being hmm. like you definitely hear stuff on like national like just it's pure radio. instruments. That's so right. there's no actually singing in it, but yeah. Really. All right, all right. Enough, enough rants. Well, enough tangents. I want to talk about a uh, wanderlust. Unless Jeff, do you want to talk about a movie? You gotta. No, no, yeah. I don't want to talk about movies <laughs> at all ever. <laughs> we can talk about Jennifer Aniston. How about that? That'll. Yay! So yeah, the movie Wanderlust uh, came out last weekend. Two weekends ago? Last weekend. Uh, directed and written by David Wayne, who, by the way, has done uh, Role Models, same thing, wrote and directed that. So a big bonus, a big you know, plus, here we go, let's have something that's almost as funny as Role Models would be enough for me. And uh, as you all know, uh, Jeff's boy Paul Rudd's in it. You also have Jennifer Aniston. Uh, they, they both play uh, George and Linda, respectively. Um, they are a married couple who... Recently purchased a loft in New York City just in time for Paul Rudd's character to lose his job. And this is all in the very beginning of the movie, sort of like hit the ground running where the couple's just there debating on whether to buy the loft or not. And it's all all in comedic fashion. Everything that happens in this movie is built for a joke. It's not very dramatic in any way. So like when George loses his job, for instance, it's uh he pretty much he shows up to work. And there's FBI guys everywhere raiding his place of work and his boss is being escorted out in handcuffs, like making a joke about how he needs to make a rain check for the meeting with Paul Rudd or something. And it's so nothing's very dramatic. Everything's everything's there for a joke or at least for a punchline or something. And that's sort of the tone of the movie. And role models wasn't like all his movies aren't aren't any different. Um, So after this happens, they can't afford the place. They end up selling George and Linda are then forced to, uh, take off and move to Atlanta and live with George's brother. Um, and pretty much from there, when they're on their way down, there's this, not montage, but a series of shots of them in the car and them like sort of yelling at each other and some funny bits back and forth. And uh, it's it's pretty funny. Together, Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd's, the chemistry there actually worked pretty well. They were, they were pretty funny together. Um, so on their way down, they just freak out and need to get out of the car and decide to stop at a bed and breakfast, which ends up being a commune and this is where we jump to the trailer here and there's a series of characters they go there just plan on staying for the night and after staying there for the night they sort of wake up in the middle of the night realize everyone's having a good time and they enjoy the antics that are happening around and meet all these random characters there are a lot of names in this movie uh some have really small cameos compared to others but uh in the beginning we get to meet uh justin throw who is seth he's sort of like the and Anison's boyfriend, the commune leader, is it? Is he in real life? Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but uh, thank you, Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Alan is part of the commune. He's like the elder of it all. He started the whole thing. Uh, Malene Ackerman, I believe, is how I pronounce her name. The girl that's in uh, Watchmen. Right. She, she's a girl there. Ken Marino, who is. Uh, oh, Ken Marino's in everything. Yeah. He's in everything, and he plays. He's actually not the commune. He plays uh, Paul Rudd's brother, but. Anyway, series of people there. There's still more to name I'll get to later, but they sort of 
have a great time, realize they haven't had as much fun in so long and sort of get caught up in the, they've been caught up in the rat race. And the next day they reluctantly leave with all of them saying, Hey, you guys should stay, but they leave anyways and go meet Paul Rudd's brother, which ends up being a total disaster. They turn around and go back to the commune. So that whole segment is all like 40 minutes at the beginning of the film. They get back to the commune. And then this is where like all the subplots happens where, Seth, the the leader guy, doesn't turn out to be as nice as you thought he was and is just pretty much trying to get in Jennifer Aniston's pants. And then you end up finding out that um, there's this deed for the commune that's missing, that Paul, that Alan Alda can't th- remember where he put it, and a casino is going to move in and take the land, all this, all this random crap. And it's all pretty funny up to the point where they're trying to decide if they want to stay permanently at the commune. They're like, this could work, we could try it. And... Uh, I uh, forget her name already, but uh, Seth and the the woman, uh, Seth's like sort of counterpart, Eva, played by uh, Melina Ackerman, they bring up to Jennifer and Paul Rudd uh, that there is an open relationship kind of status here, and if you're gonna stay, that's like kind of a thing you should accept or it's like get law. To. Right, right. So they, Paul and. Paul Rudd, George and Linda end up sort of arguing about it and decide, Hey, we can stay. Let's do it. That's fine. And they accept this open relationship idea. And one minute later we see Paul Rudd, who has been sort of more and more upset with uh, Aniston's character. Cause they are obviously some kind of chemistry going on between her character and Justin Thoreau's character. Um, he's in the other room and Seth comes over Justin Thoreau and says, Hey, I'm happy you guys decided to stay and you have this open relationship thing. P.S. I just had sex with your wife in the other room a minute ago. So you're thinking, all right, this is just going to blow up. Paul Rudd's been getting kind of pissed. This is where it's going to just go crazy. And, or maybe he's just lying and he's trying to get, you know, Paul Rudd to say something stupid and get Jennifer or Linda more on his side. So he goes and confronts her and immediately she's like, yeah, you know, all right, I did it. That's, I thought that was a plan. You said we were up for this. Right. And it's just odd that as soon as they decided that they'll accept this idea, 10 minutes later, she had sex with him. And then after that, she goes, well, you need to have sex with, you know, like Melina Ackerman's character, Eva, you need to have sex with her. So we're, you know, we're even, it's good. Everything's fine. And you would think this is where the normal line would say, oh my God, this is crazy. We need to get out here. This is stupid. But instead the next 10 minutes turns into Paul Rudd trying to have sex with Melina Ackerman and just the most obnoxious way of, um, it's almost like one of those uh, Will Ferrell moments. Like Paul Rudd's great at it too, where they, put the camera on him and they just have him rant and see where it goes. But what okay. they was, they had him do that and just let it go for five minutes of just him saying things that first that came off the top of his head, left it all in there. And it's just all stuff like, Oh, I'm going to stick my balls in you so deep that blah, blah, blah. And it's, so this, it's one continuous scene though. It's not like yes, takes. Yes, it's not takes at all. Like it's, it's for the first, at least for the first two minutes, it's just him saying things to a mirror and then, like, you get some takes after that where it's him talking to its cuts between him and Malene Ackerman because now that they have two shots of him and her back and forth, they can sort of cut between them. But I'm pretty sure the one in the mirror was just him ranting for a good minute and a half and just saying, yeah, I'm going to totally do you, no problem. Like, trying to build his his uh, uh, courage to go address it. And it's just so bizarre. And that from then on, it just it got weird. Like, I, the first 50 minutes of that movie are great. After that, I don't know what happened. Like, I'm... Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston, I think everybody involved in the movie did a pretty good job. It's just editing or directing-wise, they just should have left or cut that part a lot shorter or just moved it to a different 
aspect because it it was really weird i i didn't really get it but maybe i'm just not not cool maybe enough. they were trying to showcase her raunchy side like she said right right the there there is a part where jennifer Aniston uh saves like the the commune's fruit stand by taking off her shirt and like standing in front of a bulldozer or something and that's a part that later on you were supposed to see her boobies but they like pixelated it out in the newscast which, by the way, I should mention, out of the cameos, so there's this commune that's getting uh, a little bit of uh, news coverage because of this casino deal, and there's a team of newscasters that are talking about it, which um, I'm trying to remember everybody that's involved. The director, David Swain himself, is there, um, and who else? It was one of the... Uh, Michael Ian Black, he's in it. And he's there, like making funny comments. Like, there's all these small roles by comedians or just people that just decided to show up and do a couple takes. And it's that those cameos are kind of funny. The movie itself, it it's probably worth going seeing, but that part really bothered me. And uh, it it's one of those where it seemed like it didn't have a very good ending. They couldn't decide what to do with it. And it's no role models by any means, but um, wasn't bad. I should have went and saw Secret World of Arietti just and save my money. And but I'll definitely just go see it later. But yeah, Wanderlust. You guys can catch it at a theater near you. That's my that's my take. But so, we were used put aside. We got to get to our Parker Posey play along. The favorite, the greatest, the best, and it's uh, always a fantastic time getting your answers. We put up a question on the boards, movie related, gungapit.com or uh, restorecbalm.org. It's our sister site. Jeff knows it, and uh, or also on the Movie Hour page on Facebook. Always a always a blast. Anyways, last question was from James. And uh, James, the question was just basically, who's your favorite movie douchebag, right? Yep. And your and your favorite answer, favorite movie douchebag answer. Um, I was nice. It was nice to see that Josh was, you know, has the same line of thinking as me and picked the. Wait, wait, the, you haven't heard my answer yet. Oh, I haven't. Yes, Nobody, because you didn't, you did not post it on the board. Right, right? I apologize. Yeah. Uh, busy week. Uh. My first thought was Ben Affleck from Mallrats, just because it's really easy to hate Ben Affleck. Yeah. And he's got some really great lines in there, like "I have no respect for people with no shopping agenda" or whatever he <laughs> said. <laughs> like that's it's pretty awesome. Right. Um, but I, I changed my mind, I, and I'm not sure if it's quite douchebag, but it's something like it. Uh, Robert Prescott's character Kent from Real Genius. That's my pick, dude. That was your pick. Yeah, that was yeah. my pick. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. I didn't even read that. That's awesome that we had the same pick. That's fantastic. <laughs> what happened was we were talking about William Atherton, and I was could not stop thinking about Real Genius and Kent in it. Why yeah. would you ever want to stop thinking right. about Real Kent's, Genius? Yeah, Kent's not so much a complete like he's the teacher's pet, brown noser, and yeah. like, he's got they made him the perfect look. You know, the he's definitely sushi. Awesome. Yeah. Pieces is just perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's yeah. a good answer Kent, it's, I'm happy that's to. your car <laughs> <laughs> let me have it <laughs> yeah it's pretty good yeah he, he, I like that answer it's a good answer uh, Joshua picked uh, Ellis from Die Hard which Jeff you had brought up in your movie review of Die Hard weeks ago and that was oh, God, what made that me, a, that's a much better answer yeah and that's what made me think to ask the question it was the inspiration so I was happy that Josh <laughs> picked the inspiration behind the question but I, but I gotta give a shout out to Davey for uh, Daryl's soul glow guy from coming to America that guy's awesome that's, were, that's a great pick there were a lot of good answers all around on the boards too like and everyone's getting agreed with too because uh, the new poster noodles posted about Troy from Goonies who Dean mentioned on the podcast yeah, also true. 
I think Troy might be like your perfect essence of the question. Like he is a douchebag and yeah, it's really easy to go with like the preppy snot, like bully guy. <laughs> he's the know? one that he's the one that slightly overreacted to um to James Boy riding a kid's bike by trying yes. to murder him. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One of the strangest yeah. like underplayed scenes. He's the one with Troy's bucket. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. All right. So that was the old question, and I have the mo- the new question. And I must admit, I'm sort of falling into the theme of the Oscars. And I, I didn't get to ask this question last week because it wasn't my wasn't my question. But I am I'm not an Oscars fan, and I'd like to alter it in a way to make it a little more you know my taste, my my speed, or at least our listeners' speed. And maybe they can agree with us. But the, it's a simple question, hard to answer live. So you guys might need some time here, but all it is is if you could create your own category for the Academy Awards, as a joke or otherwise, I don't I don't care what the category is. But if you seriously want them to add something like best comedy, which I think we we talked we, about, yeah, I was gonna say that's an obvious. So right, like if you want to make a serious addition, please do. Or if it just wants to be a joke thing, knock yourself out. But what would it be? Academy Award category. You get to pick what the category is. <laughs> yeah, I got mine. Favorite movie douchebag? No. Okay, out of good. Um. Mine's going with uh, best monologue now, and this is kind of—it's not serious, but it's easily possible. Where like monologues happen all the time in the movies, you know, there's so many in a year. It's possible that they could build a category and a actual competition of good monologues versus bad monologues. So it's got that potential. Give it to John Cusack for uh, high fidelity right now. There's there are, are tons of examples, and I think. Like you don't have to give an answer for your category, but you know, there's, you know, Wait, you, you have one. Well, I could, if like I was first thinking yeah, about it, your top three, I don't have my top three. I was, I was thinking about maybe get picking five and you guys could pick the best one from my new category and see who wins. We'd vote. I'd have to yell at you for making a list of any sort. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But the, like comes to mind, just uh, the movies network. You've got, you've got, you know, Matt as well. can't take this anymore. He's ran, he brands it like 30 times in that movie. Alec Baldwin, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like they're, they, those are examples. But the entire movie. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there are a lot of monologues, and you could easily pull it pull it off. And I think uh, it'd be something I enjoy. I like uh, seeing characters shine, and monologues is one of those places where. It the question: Who do you present it to? Do you present it to the writer or the or the actor? Good question. I'd go. I'd go actor. Dual Oscar. Dual Oscars. They go <laughs> together. The writer, actor. Oscars definitely do not get enough love, but I, I don't see how I wouldn't be able to give it to the actor who's portraying that character. So, do you guys have a uh, favorite or best uh, Academy Award picture pick? Or sorry, picture pick. But uh, my Award. my immediate thought was um an homage to the nerd in the shoe when they talk about the categories nobody cares about <laughs> for the Oscar preview. <laughs> One of them was best animated Eddie Murphy character. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know that at all. Academy Award Nerd in the Shoe, which, by the way, is just a flash video from, like, 1999 or something. But... Yeah, way before YouTube <laughs> flash video. <laughs> Fucking genius. The Oscar one was, like, the stepchild of the of the videos, but it was still good. It was still good. No, you're out of your goddamn mind. The Oscar one was the also, best. It was the best one. Don't even... Don't even... <laughs> all right, anyways, so are you going with that, or did you have one to back it up? Um... I have another one, but I want to craft my language around it, so I'm going to let James go first. Um, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss, so I'm going to go with my default here. I'm going to go with 
like best stunt sequence of some sort. Okay, I like that. Yeah, like whether it be a car chase or some actual, you know, death-defying high wire act or whatever it is. But I'm going to go with best stunt. That's another thing, like that you could potentially see because it happens so often in movies, and it's not going to be something we'll you know we'll see at the Academy Awards. But you could see it being a. a team effort of not only am I looking at how inter- like interesting it is, I'm talking about like specifics in terms of logistics and how hard it was to pull off and stuff like that. Like that's yeah, a, it's I mean it's giant especially giant especially giant. in the world of CGI, it's just nice to know that you know people are putting in the effort to show it to me as it could actually be done. I didn't really just think, cheating. I really didn't think about it this way, but now it's almost like a giant. Hey, what's your what's a Parker Posey category for the Academy Award? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of it that way until but now. But. It was kind of funny because. Uh, we kind of, I started a new movie list kind of sort of not really list but movie night with some friends and uh, the first one we just had last night and I decided to show them the sting because I hadn't seen the sting and there's a sequence where they're um, Newman showing off his uh, his card shuffling ability and it's amazing like what he's doing to prep for his big poker game on the train and it's just like thinking to myself like so nice knowing that like CGI doesn't exist and he's actually doing this and it's it was just cool. It was just neat to just I, think. I don't remember that scene exactly. Like, do we even? It's is it really him shuffling it or is it? Yeah, it could it could it's, definitely be somebody else's. But somebody's hand. doing it, right? Yeah, somebody is doing it though. Yeah, it's not necessarily Paul. It's because right. they're just showing hands and cards yeah. and he shuffles it a gazillion times and every time he just brings up the ace of spades no matter how many times he does it. Yeah, I remember that. And it's just it's really cool. And it did not shock me at all to find out that the first movie you guys watched was that movie was the Sting. I'm like, oh, Jim, what made you watch the Sting? Okay, that. Yeah. Makes what sense. What's the theme of the? There isn't really a theme. We're just kind of rotating, just saying, okay, it's your turn to pick a movie movie that you know you kind of been interested in watching that you know maybe older may have we're just kind of using our own criteria gotcha so, cool i knocked it off and i kind of was in between rentals at the time so i picked something out of my own collection right. fun 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 yeah. so jeff if you could create your own academy award category um i was trying to think of a really funny way to say that the um like the least raping reboot but um i, I couldn't come up with a good way to say that <laughs> least rape reboot wasn't the most enough. original idea <laughs> yeah most original reboot uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually i might just go with that but I, I kind of have an idea that i like actually now and it's best movie under and i wouldn't know the exact dollar amount but the budget would have to be under maybe I don't know, 200,000 or something like that. And I feel like it would force uh, a lot of interesting movies into the, uh, like into the, into the spotlight. And we're talking $200,000 for developing the movie, not for like production, like production costs of promotion or anything. We're talking about 200. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Like basically we're talking like real indie movies. I like the idea. It's, um, I've got a feeling, I'm curious if people would just start taking pay cuts to, compete at that but i like you know we're talking you know theoretically here so whatever but i think uh i like that idea and having it be- i like that the room would not even come close <laughs> yeah, no, seriously <laughs> whatever the actually never mind let me let me put the dollar amount at exactly what the room costs minus one dollar <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting is you would if it you know worked and the idea actually worked and it, it got legs it would be like creating an olympics for like here's the pros Here's the amateurs. Like here's the Olympics kind of thing. We don't do this for money at the. At yeah, the I mean it's pretty much right. How Sundance and all the other film uh, festivals started. I guess that's yeah. I guess that's true. But uh, still, the, 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 if you want that, there is that film festival out there. I just think it'd be nice to put it on a bigger stage. Yeah, on a huge stage. Yeah. 
Very cool. So we've got car chase, or sorry, chase scene at all, right? Stunt. Stunt. Okay, stunt. Sorry. Um, a stunt. We've got the $200,000 category and... We'll call it two million, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what movies get made for. I'm the numbers guy. I should probably know this shit. (laughs) (laughs) But anyhow, if you, the listener, could create your own Academy Award category, you know, if it's serious or otherwise, um, what would it be? And if you want, you can give an example of who might win it, whatever. But uh, the question will be at the boards, gongpit.com. Always feel free to register. We're talking about bullshit all the time. The current thing is about how many Samoas I need to eat before I die. Um, so that's a big, big to do. And it'll also be, wait, a, wait, how many you need to eat before you die or how many you need to eat to kill you? I, uh, it was specifically, I asked how many Samoas I need to eat before my hunger form subsides. And oh. uh, so it wasn't really how much I need to eat before I die. I was sort of uh, exaggerating, but, uh, the post will also be on the movie hour page on Facebook. Always looking for answers there. And I guess, uh, yeah, that's it guys. That's another podcast in the bag. And, uh, James, Jeff, welcome back by the way. Thank you for the input. R.I.P. Davy Jones. And uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Wait, wait, why, wait hold on. I'm sorry. I got to stop us here. Why R.I.P. Davy Jones? The real Davy Jones died today. The famous one, I mean. Oh, really? Yeah. You know that's David Bowie's real name, too? Sweet. That's why he changed it to Bowie, or one of the reasons he changed it to Bowie, he didn't want to be compared to the... Uh, <laughs> Not to say anything bad He's about the it. no-talent-ass clown. Why right, right, exactly. exactly. Um, all right, well, yeah, R.I.P. David Jones in G- indeed. Yeah. Um, all right, drive safe, people. I'm sorry, I totally hijacked this. <laughs> well, see everybody later. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your day. The Jack Pellance, number one, movie out. Yeah, it's just Bob. Yep, he pulls it off. You're my number one. God, lucky dick. God, you're the worst impersonations ever. Good evening, one and all, and welcome. And starting again. (laughs) Welcome back, Jeff. You're eating another Samoa? Is that what's happening? God. Time out. I need another Samoa. Good evening, one and all, and welcome to the Jack Plants. (laughs) (laughs) Pronounce it however you are. That's fine. (sighs) Palance. (laughs) It's Palance. Good evening, one and all, and I can't finish it. Good evening, one and all, and welcome to the Jack Palance number one movie hour. I'm Greg Maloney, your host for this tonight's evening's events. Or fuck. <laughs> I knew when you. <laughs>